Welcome to the Roan Podcast. Roan is the Curated Physicians Network that supports concierge, DPC, and private practices so they can remain independent without being alone. We believe that the future success of primary care requires membership-based medicine practices to thrive. Hello, I'm Dr. Scott Pope, CEO of Roamed, and I'm glad you found us. I hope you enjoy this latest episode of the Roamed Podcast. Welcome, everyone. My guest today is Dr. Jordan Lipton with Signature Healthcare in Charlotte, North Carolina. We're going to cover a topic that is near and dear to my heart, uh, when and how to raise your prices for your uh, membership-based medicine practice. Dr. Jordan Lipton, welcome. Well, thanks, Scott. Um, good to be here. Um, as you mentioned, I'm, uh, I'm with Signature Healthcare in Charlotte. We are a seven-physician uh, concierge practice, uh, soon to be eight and maybe nine physicians, uh, that started in 2003. Um, and so we've been doing it quite a while. So we've had, to, we've had this question come up many times. And unfortunately, the first time it came up, it was already too late. So, um, so I'm, I'm excited about, about talking about this with you. So it's 17 or 18 years worth of being in practice. You've, you've I'm sure, gone through your paces on uh, when and how to, to raise prices. It's, it's something that um, I, I know everybody thinks about and talks about. Tell, tell us a little bit of some of your guidance on changes you've made and when, when you've made them. Well, you know, first of all, it's, it's very interesting. You know, physicians, good physicians, obviously, are very concerned about patient care and ethics, and, and, and that's the way it should be. But what we're bad at in general are making business decisions. And, you know, other businesses raise their prices on a regular basis. Um, why is it that physicians are uncomfortable with making these types of very simple decisions? Um, of interest, inflation rate inflation rates over the last um, 10 years, 10 or 11 years, have ranged between 0.1% per year and 3.1% per year, usually in the one to 2.5% um, region. So, you know, that's a significant, that's a significant um, inflation rate. And if you were to, um, if you were to plug in a 3000, the cost of something $3,000 in 2003, do you know how much it would cost to get that in 2000, um, 2021 or 2020? Just with the inflation of that period of time, <laughs> I would embarrass myself with a guess. So, yeah, it's it is it went from three thousand to four thousand two hundred. So that's that's a that's a big difference. That's because of course it, the inflation rate is compounded. It's 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 a big deal. Yeah. So why why if if a physician's costs you know costs of human resources costs of supplies why if that's going up by two percent a year why do physicians have a hard time raising their prices on a regular, if not annual basis. So, and then that's just, that would be just keeping up with inflation. That's not actually accounting for enhanced services. Exactly. exactly. Enhanced services, it's easy to justify, but we should be, but but I think we should have no qualms about raising prices on a fairly regular basis. And, you know, we, we unfortunately, did not raise our prices until we had until we had been in business for almost ten years. So we we stayed with the same up until two thousand and ten. We we actually we were planning on change and on raising them um, in two thousand and eight, but then the financial crisis occurred, so we decided not a good time to raise prices. Um, but finally, after after almost ten years, we just did a one time price rate raise of ten percent. 
there were a few patients that we knew might have struggled financially with that. So we actually just grandfathered them into the old to the old rate. But 90% of our patients or 95% of our patients, we went up a full 10% and we lost fewer than 1% of our patients um, due to the price increase. So, so you know, that it, it really, we ended up basically making or making relatively compared to the year before 9% more without doing anything, um, yeah. which was, which was obviously a good business decision. Um, and then since then, since 2010 to 2011, um, we have, uh, we have decided to do, um, to do price raises very complicated way, but, uh, but basically every year, we raise our prices based on the age range of the of the patient groups. We have we have three age ranges. One is under the age of thirty. One is thirty to sixty nine, and the last is over sixty nine. So, and of course, it's that's that's in order of the cost. So we're we're raising everybody under the age of seventy by about two percent a year. And because the seventy year olds, you know, the seventy plus year olds generally have fixed incomes, and they're the only ones that ever complain about price raises, we raise them one percent a year but they're already paying a premium over everybody else. Um, and since we've done that, um, we've had very few people complain. Um, one, you know, I would say, you know, the, the first time we did it, we got a few complaints, but then, and, and that was because we raised everybody's rate by 2%, not, not, not just the, the bulk of our patients. We raised the, the ones that were the, the senior patients also by, by 2%. And, and we, most of the complaints were from people on fixed incomes over the age of 70. Um, since then, a couple of a couple of concerns a year, but nobody drops out because of it. And we've been doing that now for the last seven years or so. Um, how, are, how do you communicate that? Is that part of your your membership agreement? That's here's the price this year, but you know you're agreeing up at the beginning that it's a one percent increase. Well, so that's that's a great question. Um, and uh, what I what I um, what I would advise people to do, no matter how they do their price raises, because I know there are other practices that will um, that will just raise their prices, you know, five percent every three years, or or ten percent every four years, or something like that. They'll choose and they'll do it rather than making it complicated every year. They'll just do the same thing, and they might grandfather some of the people at the previous at the, the some of the existing patients at the previous rate um, for X number of years. But regardless of how a practice decides to do it and when they decide to do it, it's important to put that in the membership agreement. Um, make it explicit that rate increases will happen so that you don't have to deal with angry patients. And what we did about four years ago, that's what we did. We added it to our membership contract. We said, we, you know, every year, if you put a credit card on file with us, every year, your rate is going to go up by, by 1% to 3%. We left it, we, or actually put 0.5 to 3%. Um, so that, and, and they have to initial beside it. So that, that so that, and, and our membership, um, our membership director makes it, you know, points that out in the contract to the patient so that we've had no one call complaining. Um, and, and, it's, and it's worked out well for us. Well, I think that gets you out in front of probably one of the biggest impediments that, that I can see physicians having in raising these prices. You know, we talk about, concierge medicine, direct primary care, uh, call it membership-based medicine, but it's relationship-based medicine. And so with that relationship, uh, having that financial conversation is just, it's an awkward one to have. Um, And if you've got that hardwired, you're out in front of it. Exactly. We, you know, obviously communication is huge. This is one of those things that obviously if, if, if my, um, if my heating AC guy 
tells me that my my maintenance uh, my maintenance fees have gone up fifty percent all of a sudden, I'm going to be pissed off too. But if but if but if he tells me on my on my contract that every year it's going to go up three or four percent, even though that's too much, I would still be okay with it because yeah. he at least explained it to me. And communication is everything, just like it is in the in the provision of healthcare in our practice. Well, I mean, you start to draw some of those parallels. I mean, some of these other industries are absolutely shameless in the way that, you know, when my cable goes out, like, why do I have to pay the same that for that month of cable? Right. I mean, it was out for, you know, six hours on Tuesday. Yeah. Get some of that money back. Yeah. My yeah. power, my power was out for three days. Right. Shouldn't I get some of that money back? Well, like you, you, you didn't use the power. So, right. you don't need <laughs> so I couldn't. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, but we don't, I mean, we don't take those lessons from those other industries and, and apply them back to healthcare. It's just so unique. Um, so you're, you're advising that every year, you know, what if, what if somebody wanted to do, you know, every, you know, two or three years, do you think that that's just not frequent enough or what's the fallacy in that? Well, no, actually, I think, uh, you know, as I mentioned, um, as I think I touched on before, other practices that I'm familiar with have decided rather than doing it every year, just to have a set increase every X number of years. Yeah. So say, you know, if we're doing an average of 2% a year, another practice may decide every four years to do 10%. So that, that, that way it's, it's compounded. It works out to be the same thing. Basically yeah. um, we're doing eight, we're doing 8% compounded over, over four years. They're going to do 10% over, over four years, once one time shot so that people aren't shocked every year with, or sorry, they're, they're not surprised every year with a small increase, but they're shocked every four or five years with a large increase. Bigger one. Which we just felt like for our patients, it's easier just to do it every year. And what we, we actually, like I said, we, we choose a, we've basically pulled a number out of thin air and we said 2% approximately per year for under age 70 and, you know, 1% for over age, over, over age 70, but we rounded up to the closest $5.00 so it ends up it ends up being easy to easy to, to charge on credit cards. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect, I like it. Yeah, so you're saying okay, I, and it would be fine. I guess each practice just needs to figure out what makes the most sense for them with their population. Exactly. You know, one of the the scenarios that was explained to me when I uh, came on board with Rome back in, in 2019 was a practice that had too many patients in in their panel. Right. And the the strategy that was advised to to that practice was to dramatically increase your price. And what that practice found is she couldn't get rid of patients fast enough. That's right. And that's what I was saying about how we raised our prices by 10% after, you know, after several years of being in practice, and we only lost 1% of our patients. We thought, if anything, we'd lose a few more and be able to add more at the new rate and be, and be you know, whatever, just singing all the way to the bank. But... Um, but there, a, a lot of patients who pay for concierge medicine are pretty price elastic. And uh, so it, it proves that. And, and probably, I, I, would, I would guess that for non-franchised concierge and DPC providers, we are, we are generally underpricing ourselves. Yeah. Um, and and as, you know, as you mentioned, we now, we, you know, a, lot of, a lot of physicians have too many patients. A lot of these new concierge doctors have too many patients, which is a which is obviously proving that they that they're too cheap. Um, so they either need to add to, need to add more new doctors and raise their prices, or at least raise their prices, decrease their panels a little bit, provide better care to everybody for less for less um, less of a hassle for the doctor. Yeah, and there's so many factors that come into that equation to determine how to set your price, right? So 
for, for a practice that's coming out of the gate, um, you know, let's say that they, you know, anchor $2,000 a year for their, for their membership fee. How would you advocate that they, you know, test that market? Maybe they should, and some of the paradoxes, actually, if you increase your price to 5,000, you might actually get more patients, right? There, there's, there's something, you know, we, we now have a waiting list of almost a hundred patients, which is why we need to add some more doctors. Yeah. Uh, obviously it's a great problem to have. We're very happy. Although it's, it's also very frustrating. Um, but, uh, and, and, and there's something to do, you know, there's exclusivity uh, makes it even more attractive to people and people are, are willing to pay more. However, for somebody, at least my personal, my personal feeling is for somebody fresh into the business, I would test the waters with a, with nothing too exorbitant and then right into their membership agreement that, that uh, rate increases will happen. Not that they may happen, but they will happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, then they can decide in, t- in year two or three when they have, when they're, when they're, you know, approaching their, their individual physician caps or when they're, when they're comfortable in their income, decide what that rate increase will be. They don't have to do it, but, but tell their patients they will do it. And then two years later, when they do do it, they can say, well, you got a free year. You got a, a no price rate, no price raise year. So that was just a, that was just a bargain. Cause I was, cause I still was pretty quiet, you know? Yeah. Well, and you, you, you touch on a really good point too. When you go back to any, you know, uh, 100 level business class that the rules of supply and demand. So as you're talking about increasing prices and raising prices is the fact that you have a, a limited panel size, something that you articulate back to your patients to let them know that this is finite. We do. We, we actually, um, we write that into our contract as well. So our, our practice has a maximum number of patients per doctor at 350. Although, although all the doctors in our practice have chosen personally to no, to go no higher than 300, because we also have a, we also have a minimum number of days worked requirement that, that correlates with the number of patients you have. So we felt like, okay, I can get an extra four, four days off or eight days off a year of not being in the office. We're always working, but we don't have to be in the office for those days. So, uh, so we, so, so um, most of us are at 300. That's a finite number. Um, three of us are at 300 and can't accept new patients. So um, our patients, and, and we, do, we do make that very clear to our patients, and it's, and it's actually in the contract. Yeah, that's outstanding. Um, you, Jordan, you've been an excellent guest uh, on this episode for me. Any, any parting words of advice uh, for physicians as they kind of grapple with their own individual decisions here? Well, first of all, I think that you know a lot of a lot of my business um, education has been from some of my patients who are incredibly successful business people. If you have a question about business, you should not be shy about asking somebody in an industry that might have a good comparison for you, might have a good 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 uh, you know, educational tidbit for you. So, um, so that's the first thing. Second thing is, as I said before. Physicians should not be uncomfortable with making business decisions because business decisions will, or good business decisions will effectively make their practice a more successful, not just financially, but also medically better practices. Excellent. Dr. Jordan Lipton with Signature Healthcare in Charlotte, North Carolina. Thank you so much for being a guest on the Rome podcast. I hope to have you back again soon. Well, thanks, God. Thanks for all your direction and, and, uh, and, and leadership in, um, in Rome. Thanks, Jordan.
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Roan Podcast. If you enjoyed your time here, be sure to subscribe. If you have a story you would like to share on the Roan Podcast, I encourage you to reach out. After all, we are stronger together. Now, I invite you to take a few for you and enjoy three minutes of relaxing audio. Be well, my friends.